This afternoon I preach to you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church. In her confession, in the Creed, the Apostles' Creed, and that's also explained in Lord's Day 14 of the Heidelberg Catechism. And that's on page 528 of the Book of Praise. What do you confess when you say he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, the eternal Son of God, who is and remains true and eternal God, took upon himself true human nature from the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary through the working of the Holy Spirit. Thus he is also the true seed of David, and like his brothers in every respect, yet without sin. What benefit do you receive from the holy conception and birth of Christ? He is our mediator, and with his innocence and perfect holiness covers in the sight of God my sin in which I was conceived and born. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Psalm 48 that we looked at this morning celebrates the Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Psalm 48 celebrates the Emmanuel gospel that anticipates the incarnation of the Son of God that we confess to be true in the Apostles' Creed. And then as we think of that connection, we're reminded that Christmas didn't come out of nowhere as a random display of the kindness of God But the coming of the Son of God was promised for hundreds of years before it happened as God's response to our fall into sin. And so it wasn't as if God was looking down at the world there doing their thing and then just decided one day to show his love to the world by giving them a gift, by paying them a visit to encourage them with miracles and healings. Sometimes That's how Christmas is thought of and and even presented, kind of like a kind visit of, of grandparents. Let's go surprise the kids so that we can know how much that we love them. But if we think about Christmas that way, we completely forget about the seriousness of the situation. We undermine our urgent need for God's work in our lives. If you want to compare Christmas to anything, you need to think in terms of a a major rescue operation that took years in, in its coming in a universal war that will determine where we will spend eternity. Though God had created man good and in his image, the human race rebelled against him and made it impossible for themselves to enter into his holy presence without the shedding of blood. Their sin blocked the way into heaven. The Lord who created us saw that, and he sent his Son. That's the spirit of Christmas. If the only begotten Son did not enter into the world, the entire family of God would be punished under God's wrath forever, together with the rest of mankind. The sending of the Son of God was a ransom arrangement that involved the eternal God taking on a human nature so that He could die to save sinners. 
I preach to you this gospel under the theme, the Son of God took on our human nature. And again, we'll look at the statement of faith from its three functions, its declaration of the truth, its declaration of the unity of the Christian church, how we're distinguished from others, and also how it's our word of praise that defines the Christian life. And so we see that he is a man who came from heaven. That's the declaration of the Christian teaching. He is fully God and fully man that distinguishes the Christian church, and we have value in God's eyes. Now the word incarnation is a word that means coming into the flesh. It's a word that describes an impossibility for any created thing to accomplish. The mere idea of an eternal, infinite, holy being who created the universe by the word of his mouth, entering into the work of his own hands, while at the same time remaining true and eternal God, that's more than our minds can handle. There's nothing we can compare it to in all creation. For even if we were to imagine shrinking down and entering into the Lego setup we made, or, or getting sucked into the scene of a painting on a wall, or, or brought into a cartoon show on our TV, these creative imaginations would still be different than the teaching of Scripture concerning the Incarnation, because they all take place within the realm of creation. Although eternity may be in our hearts and we might have a partial understanding of the concepts of holy, sovereign, and divine by the things that we know that they are not invisible. God is invisible. He is infinite, not finite. He is not comprehensible, incomprehensible. He is immutable. That means not changeable. We know who He is by what He is not, but we always have we always will remain creatures that can never fully understand what the Bible is teaching us when it describes the incarnation. We don't understand what it means for the Son of God to, as we read in Philippians 2, empty himself of the glory he had with the Father before the world was made in order to add on a human nature to his divine nature. The same God who sent the angel, Gabriel, to announce the birth was the one who would be born as the baby on the earth. We confess that the first step of the Son of God's humiliation was that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. God revealed this to us through an angel who explained that the, the Holy Spirit came upon the Mary the Virgin who had never been with a man. And the power of the Most High overshadowed her. And what was conceived in her was from the Holy Spirit. That's Luke 1, verses 34 and 35. As foreshadowed in the Garden of Eden. And when the, when the glory of God came down and filled the temple in the holy city on Mount Zion, heaven and earth kissed in the womb of a woman named Mary. The Word became flesh, John 1 verse 14, without ceasing to be the Word. The Son of God 
who came down from heaven entered the womb of Mary by the working of the Holy Spirit and developed and grew like any other human being since the creation of Adam and Eve by the same word. Truly, nothing is impossible with God. The young woman who gave birth to the baby, whom she had been commanded to name Jesus, which means Savior, she looked upon a child that had her flesh and blood with all the other degeneration of genes that had been experienced by the generations of people since the fall into sin. A baby who was dependent on his mother's care in order to survive. His body felt hunger and, and, and needed sleep for he had become a real and true human. There was nothing in his appearance that should attract us to him. Although he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and without sin, he was born into a world suffering the consequences of the curse that he had laid upon the world. His mother experienced the labor pains of birth that he had promised to Adam and Eve when they fell into sin and paradise. He felt he experienced the emotions of crying at a friend's death, sighing in the face of unbelief, anger in the face of oppression and blasphemy and oppression for the sick, and, and he showed compassion for the sick. He experienced in his flesh, in his mind, and in his heart the, the face of oppression and blasphemy, malicious witnesses, attacks, persecution. He was hated by those around him as the psalm so clearly foretold, even though he never stopped being God. The Son of God took on our human nature and he understands what it's like for us to live here on the earth. And just as it is unfathomable for us to understand how it was possible for God to take on our human nature, it's also unfathomable for us to fully understand why. We would not have any desire to even send a servant to travel a short distance in order to meet the needs of a rebellious group of enemies in our neighborhood. And so we cannot understand why the perfectly glorious triune God would humble himself by taking on our human nature and even giving his life to death on a cross for a bunch of mere creatures that had plunged themselves into rebellion and hatred against him and didn't even want the help that he came to give. But this is exactly why the Son of God came into the world. This is the gospel we love and we cling to. His grace, his love for the undeserving. And we reflect on that and we see how, how it exposes our own deficiencies, our own lack of love. Oh, that we could be Christ-like. He came knowing we were sinners. He knew what you deserved. He knew what we deserved. But He loved you in spite of who you are. He loved you with an unconditional, eternal love. He knew you, 
your name before the foundation of the world. And he entered that very world to save you who need a mediator. And he came fully God and fully man. The announcement that the Son of God has taken on our human nature so that he might rescue us from eternal punishment from our sins as our mediator, it adds a a dimension to the Christmas message that the world needs to hear. It's not just that the Son of God came into the flesh, but it is that the Son of God entered the role of perfect mediator. You could say that Christmas is the the moment that the, the mediator came. Christmas is a celebration of the coming of our advocate before the Father in heaven because he needed to be fully God and fully man. And this statement then of the two natures of Christ distinguishes the Christian church from every teaching that either undermines the divinity or the humanity of Christ our Lord. By accepting that Christ is fully God and fully man, we as a Christian church, we reject the teaching that the second person is not fully God. With this creedal statement, a public statement, the Christian church distinguishes itself from every religion, most notably Judaism and Islam, that speaks about Jesus as a great prophet or a teacher but denies that he is God. And when Jehovah's Witnesses who maintain the Arian heresy, when they come to your door and they knock with a reworked version of John 1 and declare that Jesus is a lesser divine being than the Father or a higher angel set apart to be a redeemer, but they deny that he is fully God, they are revealing, they are outside of the Christian church it must not be believed. We as a church distinguish ourselves by declaring that Jesus Christ is fully God. We, he did not stop being God when he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. If we were to believe anything else, we would be left with an incomplete mediator who would not have been able to bear the full burden of God's wrath against sin. The Christian church also distinguishes herself from the other side, which emphasizes the divinity of Christ so much that they deny his complete and full humanity. They are swerving from the teaching of the Scripture who assert that Jesus only seemed to be a human being in his appearance to other people, but that he was still really God in the form of man, similar to the theophany in Abraham's day when Abraham spoke with God who had taken the form of a man. You can read about that just before the, the, the fall of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so as the church repeats the scriptural teaching that Christ was a true seed of David, Luke chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 2, and that he was like his brothers in every respect, yet without sin. The Christian church also rejects the teaching of many Anabaptists and their disciples 
that teach that Christ did not take on the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary, but that he just passed through her as water might pass through a funnel. You see, the Son of God took on the flesh and blood of his mother Mary. And contrary to many who deny it, he continues to have a real human nature. Even after he ascended into heaven, he proved that as he ate the fish, as he, just before he, he went up. And when he returns in glory, we will see the same man that was pierced on the cross so many years ago. If we believe anything different, then Christ could not serve as our mediator because God would not punish another creature for the sin which people committed, nor pay attention to his prayers on our behalf. And finally, by declaring Christ's two natures, which are necessary of any effective mediator who could save us, we reject any and all other mediators that people may propose in addition to or in the place of Jesus Christ. Although Mary was given a very special privilege as the mother of our Lord, Luke 1 verse 43, Mary was not sinless or immaculate without stain as many teach. Mary was conceived and born in sin too. She gave birth to other children. So she needed her child as her Savior and Lord and mediator as much as we do. Well, the wonderful thing in God's decision to use Mary is that by doing this, he made it very clear for us that he had not come to save angels, but to save human beings with real flesh and blood. Affirming this glorious truth, we finally must reject all those who teach that the flesh in and of itself is undesirable or not valuable in God's sight, and that the goal of humanity is to escape the flesh, to attain a higher existence through the enlightened mind. God did not despise the flesh that he had created, and his creatures as well may not treat the body as an unimportant appendage that sort of hangs off our minds. Our bodies are truly temples of the Holy Spirit, redeemed and restored by the Son of God, so that we might use our bodies and minds to glorify God forever. We'll see then how this incarnation defines our Christian life. We have value in God's eyes. The Lord reveals in Psalm 51 that the big problem of humankind after the fall into sin, everybody is conceived and born in sin. No one can escape that. Not even Mary could escape that. The only one who did is our Lord Jesus. That means that from conception, our hearts are inclined to act against God and to turn away from His grace and his love. And most of us have experienced this tendency. We know what it is to do what is harmful for ourselves and harmful for those around us. Every person in the world has so-called skeletons in their closets, 
things that they have desired or thought or said or done that they are ashamed to talk about. Both these harmful inclinations and the guilt and the shame that results from them prove that we were created by God for better and more noble purposes. The punishment of death that came as a result of the fall into sin adds another level of meaningless to all that people do on the earth. If the only satisfaction and contentment people can hope for must be found in the sins and misery of our short lives on earth, well, it all seems so very hopeless. Waste of time. Why even bother bringing more people into the world? Are the temporary pleasures of having children worth anything if they all will just die? And here's where that creedal statement concerning the incarnation of the Son of God makes all the difference for those who know the Lord. For this declaration, the incarnation, God's outpouring love through the miraculous decision to take on our human nature in order to restore it, it's an undeniable testimony of how much God values our lives. Our lives here on the earth, the bodies that He has given us. He sent His only begotten Son to take on human nature so that He could die and so that you and your children could live each day without fearing death. The Son of God took on our human nature because he was unable to satisfy the justice of the Holy God without having this flesh and blood. He entered the world so that his blood could be shed on the cross where he was punished for the sins that we committed. It's no wonder that we are reminded of his shed blood when we pour pure, clean water on the heads of the babies that we present for baptism. Because that blood changed those babies' lives. Our children can live each day in the guarantee of the forgiveness of their sins in Jesus Christ because God's Son took on our human nature and was punished for them. The hopelessness of being conceived and born in sin and conceiving and bearing other children in that same sin is completely reversed by the promise of the life that is in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's brought to us by His holy conception and His birth. And we see, brothers and sisters, the Lord values your body and your soul so much that not only did He Himself take on our human flesh and then dwell in our bodies as His temple, but He has made it possible for you to live in His presence forever. Philippians 2, verse 20. Christ's incarnation affirms the importance of our bodies in the everlasting relationship with God in heaven, which begins already today. And therefore, again, it matters how we treat our bodies and how we treat our minds. Christ gave his life for that body and that mind. Our creedal statement of the Son's incarnation defines 
our Christian daily lives by affirming the value of serving others, using our time, making our calendars and the thought of, of those who are around us. It affirms the value of ongoing learning and study, of regular exercise, of human feelings and emotions and paying attention to them. And so you can look in the mirror and you can say, the Son of God took on this human flesh to redeem it. That incomprehensible act of love was so that we might use our bodies and minds to His glory. And so this hand, you can say when you look in the mirror, this hand is important. The smile is valuable in God's sight. God is concerned with the tear that runs down my face. The Lord is offended by my sins and my responsibilities on the earth, my job, my task, my calling, my vocation. They are important. The Son of God Himself took on human flesh so that I might serve Him forever. If the Son of God had come today and not around 2,000 years ago, He would have been here like, looking like any one of us. That means it's possible to have a human body to look like people around you and to be sinless. He could have a human mind and be in a relationship of perfect peace with his Father in heaven. He could show genuine, self-sacrificial love with his human heart. It's possible for the bodies and the minds and the souls that God created. And by his death and by his resurrection, he makes it possible for us. He redeemed us by his blood so that the debt is canceled. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And already today you can see that you have the desire to be Christ-like in all your interactions with those around you. And one day we will be able to glorify God perfectly with our bodies with our minds, with our souls. And when our Lord returns and we stand in our bodies glorified by the grace of God beside the body of our Savior and our Lord, we will praise Him. The Son of God took on our human nature. Amen.